I am Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter, and uh, sometimes I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> the 15 tapings. <laughs> I am Drew to the fifth one. We'll highlight the fifth one hip hop, and this is digging in the digits. Yeah, just a bit, just a bit. Just I, I blended a, in a bit. It's a fucking Blend, bit, blended from one place to another. Um, that's that's how it works, you know. All Australians are basically just um, Londoners that just sat in the sun for too long. Well, ex- except for except for our indigenous population, who are actually the true Australians. I mean, we're just we're, just, we're just British colonizers, to be honest. We're not really goes, Australian. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That goes without saying. Yeah. Actually, uh, before we begin, I, there was like a pod I was listening to, and um, the host is like a Australian comedian, and uh, she was talking about she was ranting about cats, and it was it was interesting rant. <laughs> Didn't oh, yeah. realize cats were killing off marsupials in the entire <laughs> Australian oh, yeah. fucking ecosystem. Yeah, it's a bit messed up <laughs> down here. Not gonna lie, I Just mean. A it's, bit. It's, this is cats yeah. running riot, just killing yeah. everybody. Yeah. I have been. How's your week been? Over this week. This week I got into a ridiculous. How much has your cat killed this week? Well, no, actually she she's been a bit sick. She uh she has an operation on Tuesday. She has an operation on Tuesday. She had a stroke a couple of weeks ago. So she's been a bit she hasn't killed anything recently. Cats have strokes? When they're old, she's seventeen, so yeah. They Kino. it was uh-huh. it was very unpleasant. But anyway, that's that's, that's a whole Whole other story. Uh, I did listen to a lot this week. I listened to. I'm going to go just look at my graphic because it's the best graphic in the game. Uh, Nines. Listen to the Nines album. I enjoyed it a lot. Gen- enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it's, it's, it's Jim Jones a- would love that. Say sorry, Jim Jones. Jim Jones would love it because he's about it. You know. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But yeah, no, it's great. It's a good project. It's quite diverse. Uh, the features all skate. I'm, I was very interested to hear the features on this, um, which sounds horrible. It's not that I wasn't interested to hear nines. I was, but you know, the, there was quite a diverse feature list and quite a lot of different artists from different directions, and it all worked. And uh, bro, UK scene right now is is just crazy. It's very very solid. And nines is a great storyteller, great emotion, uh, very vivid details. Brilliant, brilliant album. I really enjoyed it. G Herbo dropped another project, and I also enjoyed that significantly. Like, there's a lot of emotion on this tape, um, a lot of heartfelt lyrics, a lot of heartfelt bars, a lot of difficulty and pain, and you know, emotional distress. Um, it's pretty standard fare, but he didn't go into the like the acoustic guitar pop rappy realm that a lot of rappers seem to be going these days. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't in that direction. So shout out G Herbo. I enjoyed that project a lot. Um, let's see what else we have here. We have oh, I didn't maybe I didn't listen to that much. Armin and score Sto- Sc- score Storch Scott Storch. I was I was very disappointed in this project. Um, not because of Armin. I think I've never really listened to him. I, I haven't you know I'm not super tapped in with him, so I'm not 100 percent sure what I was to expect there. But I thought his bars were solid. You know, I thought storytelling was solid. Uh, turns of phrases were solid. His puns, his punchlines were solid. But Scott Storch just produced like I don't know. I mean, he's he's obviously an incredibly adept producer, so he can recreate sounds. But I mean, he created his own sound and like 
pretty much drove the mainstream for like six or seven years. Like he he was an, an innovator. He, he created different kind of music. And this just sounds like he's trying to sound like everything else. And I'm sure he can. I'm sure he's very adept at that. And he, he can. It, it's good. But it does not have any special special sauce or anything sprinkled on it. It's just pretty standard fare. And it was a little bit disappointing in that in that direction. But uh, it's it's solid. There's nothing wrong with it. You're not going to listen to it and be like, oh, I, don't, I can't get through this. This is a real struggle. It's just it kind of sounds like everything else. T. Grizz, T Grizzly and Skiller Baby dropped a new project. Uh, and it's, it's good. It's not as good as T Grizzly's last project, which was the storytelling project, which was incredibly innovative and, and different and exciting. This is just standard fare. And uh, T Grizzly is kind of just playing you know, a support role here to Skiller Baby. Skiller Baby's fine. He's a solid rapper, but yeah, this just didn't hit as hard as previous T Grizzly projects. Dave East uh, dropped the, I think it was the Deluxe to a project he did, or maybe it was just an extra project tapped on. I don't know. I was looking at Spotify. I don't know what was going on there. But I think Dave East is just getting better and better and better and better and better, man. Like, We've been saying it for years that he just can't seem to lock in for a full project, but he just seems to have listened to us and said, "You know what? Fuck those guys from digging in the digits. I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna prove them wrong with every project. <laughs> every time I listen to his albums, I'm like, whoa, man, this, this is heat front to back. So I think he's finding his sound. He's finally finding his sound. And uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, let's see what else we have here. Flea Lord, Crisis One Eight Seven. Bars, bars, bars. Very solid. Enjoyed that a lot. Um, I listened to the Crime Apple tape. It was it was good. Very solid as well. Ill Bill dropped a project. Um, it was good. Uh, features were fascinating. Immortal Technique. I haven't listened to him in ages, and he popped up on there, so that was pretty cool. Um, no, nah, it was good. It was it was a really good project. But I'm just saying the things, man. This is, everything's been pretty good this week, apart from just a little bit of a disappointment around the Scott Storch Scott Storch production. Uh, non hip hop. I listened to Tim Hecker's new album. I'm not 100% sure what it's called. I'd have to look it up on Spotify. But wow, very, very interesting album. Very special album. Uh, people who have listened to Tim Hecker may remember Rave Death, um, which was like 2012 or 2014. That was kind of his breakthrough and everyone was talking about him and it was just kind of this sea and wall of electric noise. And I feel like he's become more melodic and a little bit more chilled out. Like he's been listening to Clark or he's been listening to like early Aphex Twin, but still keeps that essence of that like real heavy, distorted, like difficult to get through kind of electronic wall of noise. But he's tempered it with like more melodic melodic stretches and uh, just interesting riffs that kind of repeat themselves a little bit. And he, he has a collaboration with Colin Stetson on here, who is an incredible brass player. And wow, like that's the wildest collaboration of the year for me anyway. Like just super like weird electronica with just like acid jazz. It was it was fucking sick. So yeah, shout out to Hecker. So that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Going to three projects. Uh, first one was Aaron Taylor, no relation, uh, with Have a Nice Day, little EP. Um off the back of Becoming a Dad and uh, his first album, which was a few years ago now, but still rings in my mind as one of the best contemporary R&B albums and him being one of the best R&B artists right now. Um, And the EP kind of uh, affirms that for me personally. Um, Listen to the title track and not feel good listening to it. You'll be immediately singing it afterwards. Uh, It's just 
is so fucking sticky. Um, and his ease of just um, doing, just them, just them, you know, serenading love songs is just so second nature. He just find he just finds a way to just say the exact same thing, but just in a different metaphor. Um, in this one, being uh, one of them being coffee in the morning, and it's it's great. It's just it's it's, it's it's easy, breezy songwriting, but the way he does it is just so so enticing, and it's such a lovely listen. Um, it's, it's an EP, but it's one of the best EPs of the year for me, um, without doubt. Very easy, very simple. Please, please, please get into Aaron Taylor, please. Uh, Lonnie Liston Smith, uh, Adrian Young, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, Jazz is Dead 017. Um, legend, obviously, in his own right, Lonnie Liston Smith, um, one of the greats, Miles Davis, all of that, <laughs> his, his, own, his own shit. Lonnie Liston Smith's goated, we all know this, legendary keyboardist, um, and other th- amongst other things. And uh, yeah, he enters the Jazz is Dead um, series. This is number 17. And uh, there's just some really, really amazing work here. Um, shout out especially uh, to Lauren Oden, uh, who comes in with some uh, extremely bold vocals uh, on three of the tracks. And they are just top tier, uh, really good energy. And overall, just um, just just outstanding, man. If you've spun Lonnie Liston Smith before, um, just I mean, just listen to Cosmic Changes, and you you, you get it. You get exactly why he's so goaded. Um, but yeah, the rest of the album is pretty decent as well. It's, it's pretty freaking solid. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if it's on my album long list. Um, it's just a really really smooth listen. Um, the sequencing is amazing. Quality of the sound is amazing. And uh, everyone just puts their foot in it, as uh, you know, as the Jazz is Dead series always does. And lastly, Nine's Crop Circle Two. Um, I remember enjoying Crop Circle One. I think that was probably the first Nine's anything I listened to um, at that point. Um, and I remember, I remember spinning that. I remember enjoying it. Um, and this one's kind of uh, very similar. But then again, all Nine's projects in my mind are very similar uh, in a lot of ways. Not that that's a bad thing. Um, but there's just some, I don't know, man, there's just some, there's just some things that he does, and I'm like, so why don't the drill artists do this? Because Nice doesn't do drill, he does basically trap music, right? Yeah. Um, it's UK rap, right? It's not, he literally says in one track, this, this is trap music, not hip hop. He did say that, um, and I found that very interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> um, he also said, um, I'm paraphrasing the line, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> like saying, put me on a polygraph while I spit these bars, something I like that. I'm just like, that. I like that. I like that. You know what I mean? Um, minimal ear, which um, if there's you a couple know, of ears, you know, but there are there weren't that ear. many. No, not too couple, many. Couple, couple ear, but yep, couple ear, but um, minimal, minimal, and I like that. The less of those, the better. Um, but yeah, he just um, he has this. I don't know. It's just this authenticity about him. You know what I mean? When he when he's talking. And oh, the song "Calendar" stresses me out. Do you really want a girl every day? Fuck that. <laughs> that's too much juggling. That's just that's that's too much headspace. That's too much headspace being taken up, man. You have a girl for every day. Hey, <laughs> and the shit, the ends. It's like the girl saying, "It's Shanice." Who? 
Tuesday. I'm just like, really? All right, cool. But <laughs> it's just, it's just, bro, you got all this shit going on. You have a girl every day. Like, that's, I get it. That's you know such I mean? a but, that's such a hip hop trope. A... There was like, there was one song on every 2000s mainstream album was like, I've got this kind of girl and this kind of girl and I've got 12 girls and I've got oh, 20. Yeah, like, man. yeah, the DMX one. You know what I mean? Jay Z, girls, 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 ladies, a million of them. Yeah, you know, I get it. It's 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 a trope. Um, but I just <laughs> I just don't find it enticing. Oh no, neither I'm do just I. Like, I don't want someone every day. That's just too much. That's too much mind space to take up. And honestly, but anyway, sometimes you just want to date yourself. What happens then when he wants to date himself? Anyway, um, but yeah, he talks about jail. He talks about his jail stint. He talks about basically just getting back on the job, basically. Um, so yeah, uh. Yeah, has that has that authenticity stamp kind of on it. Um, whenever he spins, he just sounds like he ain't bullshitting. We don't know, obviously, um, is what it is. You obviously just have to take a lot of it with a pinch of salt. Um, but yeah, he just, uh, you know, he, he, he paints the picture very well. Um, and that's, if you if you don't like him for anything, you can like it for the fact that he's, he could fucking paint a picture. Uh, for an album so uh you know respect to that and uh yeah and the features were decent as well i can't complain um but yeah let's hop into the rtd bias i don't know what volume this is i haven't done the full show notes <laughs> full, full show notes yet um so we'll find you'll find that out uh i'll find that out in the uh, by the end uh or i can do it right now but anyway um uh, this is an all ben um installation where he just had a few things uh, to shout out and uh we shall do that up with aplomb which is a word that um i already use and i just randomly thought of using it so ben aplomb away yeah i mean i wanted to talk about this this ai stuff because uh i've been actively avoiding it because i have no interest episode 212 <laughs> shout out to his alien Ah, oh, we didn't. We should have done an Azalea Banks. Like we, we're not real hip hop. We don't know hip hop if we don't do an Azalea Banks. <laughs> we're, not, we're not too. We're not true to this. We're not true no, to this no. We should have just done an Azalea. Maybe, maybe I'll just do a live note on Azalea Banks. But uh, yeah, no AI. I've been listening to these. I haven't been listening to these songs, but people have been talking about them. They've been getting millions of views. I've been watching a little bit of a reaction to it, and um, I find it really fascinating. I find the whole concept of it fascinating, in the sense of like I find no. I see no value in this whatsoever. I see a lot of people saying, you know, Grimes, for example, let's talk about Grimes very quickly. She uh, she actually offered to split the royalties 50-50 with anyone who uses her voice in an AI-generated song. She actually stepped that back, I think, the next day or the day after because, you know, people were probably telling her, they're not going to, this is not in good faith. Grimes, this is the internet. This is social media. They're not going to go on there and create something as good as Oblivion. They're going to create something that makes you look as bad as you possibly could look. That seems to be the point of a lot of these deep fake kind of things. So she came back and said, oh, you know, as long as you don't do anything silly with my voice, then you can use my voice. I don't see any, and a lot of people have been saying, Grimes, Grimes said it herself. She's like, you know, we need to embrace new technology. We need to embrace new ways of expressing creativity. We need to embrace new tools to create music. I personally don't see this having any value musically, creatively, culturally, culturally, gosh, what is wrong with me this morning? Culturally, I don't see it having any value whatsoever. I don't, I don't know how other people feel about it, but firstly, 
it's the freaking internet, man. Like everyone is going to be acting in bad faith. Deep fakes are not designed to uplift the person who they're deep faking. It's not. That's not the point. They're not trying to improve upon that person. They're not trying to, you know. That I don't see any value in that anyway. Like what? What? What could you do that's going to be better? Like the Drake thing, for example. Fantino had a great point about Drake, and it, I think this is a great point in general about the whole thing. He said. Drake is very easy to copy at the moment. He just makes the same song over and over and over again. And thus, it's very easy to create an AI-generated song of Drake because he doesn't change it up, you know. As as Fantano said, that Weekend track, he said the Weekend sounded like it had come from a few years ago. The Drake stuff just sounded like Drake has sounded for a couple of years. And I think that that's probably the only value in this AI kind of thing is it's going to highlight people who are just not switching their sound up at all or people who are just adhering to the same exact like schematic to create a song every single time, whether that's the mainstream schematic or whether it's their own that they've created. For example, Future and Drake. I think Future creates music that he kind of created that sound in the mid-2000s, mid-2010s. And he continues to do it every single song. I think Drake just finds the most popular song and then just continues to do that. So I think the only real value in this AI thing is to expose people. Like, I don't think you're going to be able to do an AI, I don't know, JPEG Mafia song because they're all so different. I don't think you're going to be able to do an AI Tyler, the creator song because you could do a Tyler song now and his next album comes out and he doesn't sound anything like it. So you're like, oh yeah, okay, this must be AI because it, it must be from a previous era. So I, I don't know how Charlie feels about this, but I just feel there's no real value in this whatsoever. And a lot of people are trying to say like, let's let's give it a chance, let's see how it goes, let's you know allow these people. And Fantano said something fast, like really, really a bit scary, but but very true. Um, he said if if this is more cost effective than getting Drake in the studio. Do you really think labels are not going to do this? Of course they're freaking going to do it. It's way cheaper than getting Drake in the studio. But that's the thing. Like That's why it's such a silly pursuit because it's entirely unsustainable. Like You need the human aspect, right? You need Everyone needs the human aspect in music. They need that human aspect to attach themselves to, to project themselves onto, to see themselves in or to emotionally attached to we saw it with that ai rapper that had like two songs and then just went away fn mecca fn mecca bro like (laughs) fn mecca went away very quickly okay because it's not a person that was a great two weeks weeks. it's a conglomerate of people behind this like there's no value in that no one's ever going to be like oh did you check out the new fn mecca album because no one cares and you know when you're seeing reviews of albums people at these days are reviewing the artist they're not really reviewing the album they're like yeah the album feels this way but and they always tie it back into the kind of person the artist is or the kind of message they're trying to get across and you need to know the artist you need to see them and and touch them and see them in a concert to give a shit about their music so even if there was a little ai spurt of you know activity now it could never ever 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 even come like close to replacing any aspect of music that already exists because we're always going to need personalities you know i don't know why people aren't talking about that fact like grimes saying you know fantano said he was a bit worried that grimes was just going to crowdsource i'm I'm not sure if fantano said that it might have been another commentator that was talking about it but someone i I watched said they were worried that 
you know, Grimes was just going to crowdsource her next album using AI technology, and it was just going to be an AI album. And like, is that a slippery slope? Where's that going to lead us? I don't think it's going to lead us anywhere. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I don't think anyone's clamoring for the AI deep fake Drake album. Why the hell would you? Like, I don't, I don't get it. So I just see this whole thing as, I don't know, silly. It's, it's just really silly. I, what perplexes me is why are people running these streams up? Like. What value are we getting out of this AI thing? Like, are you that hungry for Drake music that you have to listen to Drake AIs? Because he's not starving you. He drops every freaking year. Like, he dropped last year. It's not like he... He dropped twice last year. Like, it's not like... Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just perplexed by the whole thing, to be honest. Yeah, I mean... Uh, this hasn't been a... You know, as 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 ever, the music industry is behind. Um, I remember this becoming an issue or a talking point, let's just say, a couple of years ago when it came to film. Um, there was a report that someone was going to, like a bunch of filmmakers were going to do a kind of like a war film and they were going to have an AI James Dean. Um and sounds terrible. a deep fake James Dean. Sorry, yeah, yeah, you know, same thing, really. And um, yeah, yeah, just, just, <laughs> straight, just, just the headline, just nope, not into it, don't bother. Um, and you know, I, I was even, even then, that was a couple of years ago, <clears throat> and I was just like, well, you just don't act like we don't have actors anymore, like just or. Why? What? What's the reason for it? Is it really that? Is it really are you that tight for budget? Like, what's the what's the reasoning? There's no there's no reasoning. I can't think of a, a non cynical reason to do so. And obviously, visuals are a different thing from you know just straight up audio. I mean, Disney's done it a couple of times with a uh, fucking Carrie Fisher and. Uh, mm. a couple of times in the Star recent Star Wars films, right? And that's and you know, obviously in those moments they're very quick, but they're still there and it still exists and it's still a bit just odd to do so. But in those um, instances, they're not trying to replace. You know what I mean? Like they did it with Paul yeah, Walker well, in Fast and more Furious. more cynical because they're dead. <laughs> yeah, but like they did it in but Fast and they, Furious but because that's the thing. That could be the that could be that could be a really a far a, a long term ill of this That's where true. someone's died, got their stems, pop them together, boom, <laughs> it, it it could happen. I that's, wouldn't a, be that's a possibility at least. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised is in happening something in that direction. I think you make a great point. Is with posthumous albums that aren't fully completed yet, and like there you go. feeding mm-hmm. that into an AI generator. And saying to yep. the AI, hey, yep. finish this album that they didn't quite finish yet. And then you get, yep. I could see that happening. Yep. I remember, do you remember when I sent you that uh, <laughs> that Drake AI thing uh, a couple of oh, yeah. months ago? And it was just utterly garbage and shit. And I was just like, it's, it's hilariously shit, right? Um, and I did that for a banner, but... You know, I've heard the I heard the Drake and Weekend one. I heard the Jay Z one. The Jay Z one was pretty good. I didn't hear it. On the face, it, it was it was okay. It All was right. pretty. It was pretty good. Um, how many bees did he talk about? How many bees? 
Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was fine. Um, quality wise, and even if you don't, even if you clocked it immediately, um, the thing that a lot of you know, I sometimes watch tech YouTubers and stuff like that, and the thing all of them people say is this is the worst it's gonna get. This is the worst it's gonna be. And that's fact, that's true. And you have to keep you have to constantly think about that of when you listen to something and you may have been duped, you may have not been duped, um, whatever. The stone cold fact is that's the worst it's gonna be. It can only get better. That's true. So there may be a point. Um, and I think you glossed over this briefly, but I want to nail it down a bit, is that I can imagine labels being cynical and just um, just straight up AI in someone, whether it be for a posthumous album or whatever. I can see them trying to implement that for whatever reason. Because, um, yeah, maybe it is a cost, of, maybe it will be a cost effect thing where it's just like, you know, it's easier to just do it AI. Let's just do that. Um, don't know what that will be, and will will people will artists have to put that kind of shit in their contracts where they're just like, no AI in like, and that might have to happen. There might be have to be a clause in people's contracts now. That's might that that I wouldn't be surprised if I see Dan Ronsi or uh, any like music business journalist talking about uh, artists have to have a uh now are now trying to implement a AI clause in their contracts to stop labels from implementing them. And I can see it in this very cynical world. I can definitely see it, um, and that's what all of this kind of brings to brings for me personally is just a lot of cynicism. Where, like, you know, like you were saying with the Grimes thing, it's just people just going to shit post it. They're not going to try and recreate a masterpiece using her voice, or or create a masterpiece using her voice. They're not going to be. They're not going to be. You know, they're not going to try that. The, the most of the time, ninety nine percent of them are just gonna shit post and have Grimes just say shit and over a beat. And you can't, like you, what Grimes' mistake was, you need to you can't make a blanket statement. You have to assume that ninety nine percent of social media and people who are gonna read that are acting in bad faith. You have to go and find the one percent. You can't just say, Hey guys, do whatever you want with my voice. You have to not say anything watch people and then go find the yeah. person who's not acting in bad faith and work with them because the, the rest of yeah. it is just going to be totally just as you say shit posting it's going to be trash yeah. there may be a producer who's been tinkering with this and they have something down and they can say grimes actually got an idea here i want you on it uh i want your input on it and you know for an ex- as an experiment I'm down. I'm down. Like as, as if the and this is this is what I'm like with most things. If the person, if the person being used for these types of things uh, are down for it and they have at least an imp- or at least a blessing into it, at least a green light into it, then you know by all means go for it. Have a go. I'd like to see what an AI Grimes record. Not I listen to Grimes, but you know what an AI Grimes record would actually be. What about an AI um, Nines record? Uh, and I, yeah, how about an AI Nines records? Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, but yeah, regardless, um, I'm always up for the idea of experimentation. Uh, but I just don't trust people. I just, <laughs> I just don't trust the internet. I don't trust. Uh, I honestly, I don't trust people that are making these AIs anyway. Like the fact that 
and this is a bit outside of our purview, but just to, since I'm here, to mini tangent, the fact that tech people are saying we need to slow down this AI process throws me off a bit because I'm just like, oh, so you guys have been, you guys for all these years since Silicon Valley became a thing have been like, you know, push, move forward, break things, all that, all that shit, evolution, all under the umbrella of capitalism. And now that there's a couple that are doing okay, like OpenAI, ChatGPT, all that, you want to slow it down? Why? What, what are they going to do? They're just going to take all take a holiday and just close up shop for a bit. Yeah, I'm sure that'll happen in this system that we're in. It's, it's stupid. It's ludicrous. And I feel like, and I, again, think that's cynical because they're saying it in efforts to, I think, just catch up somehow. I don't know. But everyone, but everyone in tech in tech wants that. They want an, they want their own AI. Everyone's doing it. Everyone is going to make their own. And now that the technology is possible, everybody's going to try and implement it in whatever they do, in every facet of life. And this ain't a policy podcast. We're not talking about people's workers or people working in will AI kill jobs. This is just about AI doing music, and I'll get back to that. But it's just. It's interesting of how people act even in the midst of this kind of a flashpoint, I feel. This is kind of, I feel like we're in a long-term flashpoint for a lot of these things. AI in general, um, we've been talking about it for decades and now it's actually here all of a sudden. (laughs) You know what I mean? And everyone's in on it. Um, But musically, yeah, there's going to be, there's going to be people that are trying it and hopefully people just vigilant um that's all i can that's all i can ask is just people be vigilant and not just see fuck leaks leaks are gonna hit different now yeah there's no there's no such thing you see the the breath yeah you just don't know anymore you see the brackets leak and you're just like is that real or is it a leak though or is it someone bullshit on that you know what i mean it's just so leaks, a whole th- a whole ecosystem of of hip hop culture and music culture in general is now gonna have to have that caveat or that asterisk of is it actually a leak or is someone just doing AI thingy? So, hey man, is what it is. Well, thankfully, Spotify CEO Daniel Ek has spoken about it. And uh, oh, let's good. let's find what, out what's his thoughts on let's it. Find out what Daniel Ek has to say on the subject because yeah. I'm always interested to hear what he has to say. He says, "I think the AI pushback from the copyright industry or labels and media companies." Notice how he said that, not Spotify. They're not pushing back. And it's really around really it's really around really important topics and issues like name and likeness. What is an actual copyright? Who owns the right to something where you upload something and claim it to be Drake? It's really not, and so on. Those are legitimate concerns. I I mean, uh, yes, Daniel, they are legitimate concerns. And no one owns the, like, if you upload Drake's vocals that aren't Drake's vocals, you don't own that. There's no copyright around that. You need, you know, that's, that's just like, anyway. So Universal has asked Spotify and Apple to ban AI companies from scraping their site for lyrics and melody. 
Now the major label claims it's against this, it's not against the software, sorry, but it is against how it's being used. So Universal even drew a line in the sand with this statement. They said, the training of generative AI using our artists' music begs the question as to which side of history all stakeholders in the music ecosystem want to be on. Now that's, I think, needlessly escalating this to some sort of historical debate that we're at a flashpoint right now where if we don't act in the right way, we're going to degenerate music you know, every single year for the rest of existence. And we're going to get to a point where we look back on 2023 and been like, I wish Daniel Eck had taken a stronger stance on Spotify because now we don't have artists anymore. Like, this is not going to happen. And, you know, I think naturally they want to be on the side that makes money. But I don't think it's that simple. You know, I think AI would make far more money in the realm of a Spotify or an Apple, for example, since it's far easier because the way it works is, right, it's not like you just like type in to chat GPT, make a Drake song and chat GPT has all this Drake knowledge that it just draws upon. You have to feed music into it. You have to feed in, you know, it has to learn. It's this machine learning. So, you know, you either give it a style or a part of someone's discography or someone's entire discography. Again, I don't know how it works like the nuts and bolts. But you can't just like, it's it's not actually that easy to make this kind of music. It's not like anyone can just boot up their computer, create a program with a couple lines of code and you'll cre- start creating. You can't just go online and, and find a generator and, and do it that easily. So it's not actually easy to do, but it's a lot easier and a lot cheaper than paying Drake to get into the studio with a producer and asking him to come up with something is completely incomparable. Like the amount of time it takes you to even come up with an idea, even an hour or two hours. Imagine how much money that is worth in Drake's time. Paying Drake two hours to you know do something that's gonna be hundreds of thousands or at least tens of thousands of dollars. Feeding his entire discography into a program and getting it to spit out a song that sounds pretty much like every other Drake song, that's gonna be significantly cheaper. So, you know, for AI exist songs to even you know exist in the realm of popularity, it needs to first mimic a popular artist. So that's why I see labels and streaming services a little bit at odds on this topic because labels are going to want to protect their investment. They've spent a lot of money on these artists. They've spent a lot of money developing them, creating stories around them. You know, getting people to attach themselves to them, you know, creating social media personas. Like this is all related to the human aspect of the music industry. Spotify and Apple and and streaming services they don't care about. That. That. they just want you to stream the music so if an ai song is getting a million streams in a couple of days they're like okay cool keep keep that up because it's keeping people on our platform you know and it's much i feel like for spotify and apple it's significantly more valuable because frank ocean hasn't dropped an album since 2016 imagine if frank ocean dropped tomorrow everyone would just flock to streaming sites they'd be all over it so if you could just create music with without needing artists to actually create it themselves people are going to flock to your site regardless like you want more people they they want more people on their website so you know i, I see them at odds and that's why i think daniel x statement is very lame I think it's incredibly lame. Like, you should be taking a stand with the labels. You shouldn't be like, oh, I understand the labels' concerns. Like, it's weird. And I think it also opens up an interesting debate around what copyright is. Um, So the US Copyright Office have actually been updating the laws around AI-generated music. And they said in an excerpt of a statement, in the case of works containing AI-generated material, the office will consider whether the AI contributions are the result of mechanical reproduction 
or instead of an author's own original mental conception to which the author gave visible form. So in this sense, the author is not the person feeding the music into the program to learn. It's actually the person who created the program. At least that's, that would be my understanding. It wouldn't be, you're not, the, you're not the creator. You're not giving it form just because you're putting music in. I would imagine it's the person who created the program. But even then, it's super messy because like, if you've created the program, you've created the program to do something specific, and then the person who's feeding the music in is feeding specific music in to get it to do a specific thing. So, like, it's very complex, I think, anyway. And I don't think this is something music has ever encountered before, not in this way, because covers has existed since music began, but a cover version is literally the opposite of an AI song, because a cover version is an attempt by a different artist or group to keep the essence of the original song, but put their own unique spin on it, their own human spin on it. AI is the opposite of this. Rather than replaying an existing song in a new form, AI seeks to create a new song out of an existing form. It's totally irrelevant, like it's useless. I don't understand what, there's no value in that to me. I think it's redundant. And the US Copyright Office was spot on when they said this, they said, AI companies use copyrighted works to train their models to create similar works, the exact type of behavior the copyright office and courts should explicitly ban. Original art is meant to be protected by law, not works created by machines that use the original art to create new work. And I agree. But thankfully, thankfully, David Guetta has waded into the debate as well. And he has told CNN, what I think is very interesting about AI is that it's raising a question of what it is to be an artist. And thank God David Guetta asked that question because no one would have asked that. No one would have thought to ask that. No one would have thought to think about that. What does it mean to be an artist, David Guetta? Gosh, I wish he had expanded upon that because I, I just, I want to hear from him, you know. And anyway, I just think it's, I think it's redundant. I just, I think, and I have no interest in listening to an AI song. And I'm normally the, I'm normally the open one. Uh, you know, I'm normally the one who's like, oh, I'll listen to anything. I'm not listening to that shit. I don't care. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. It's what it is. Um, but I was thinking, uh, as you were talking, I was like, I wonder how, like, I wonder how, like, musicians would ever use it. Like, would they just, would they ever use it to, I don't know. Oh, could, could it be used to like well I don't know. there there is there's plenty of ai generated music that like brian eno dropped an album called reflections like 2021 2020 2020 okay. and that was an ai generated album or just it was basically a song that changed you know and then he dropped an app as well that used ai to generate music and train it to listen to it was it was quite intense so artists have definitely used it there are like multiple cases of albums or songs or where they've they've dabbled in it so i think it could become part of you know it could become a tool yeah like like everything you know um even even uh you know like <laughs> even uh stuff like npcs back in the day you know what i mean and uh synthesizers you know what i mean oh it's gonna replace actual instruments yeah samples no, and stuff. people just use it as a tool right sampling yeah all of that shit and this can be that, um, but I'm just looking forward to the uh, to respective countries taking ten years to actually uh, wrangle AI in and actually have you know some form of protection against it uh, for people like artists and stuff like that. But 
Yep, watch that happen, I don't know, 10 years later or 10 years late. So that'll be fun. Can't, mm. can't wait for that. Can't wait for that knuckle dragging. Mm. Just only got like, got a handle of fucking social media after the 15 years. <sighs> yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. Yawn. All right. <laughs> Traplo Ross has dropped a documentary. He's, he's, dropped a, he's dropped a documentary about King Von. And Charlie has some thoughts. And uh, what, are you, <laughs> what are your thoughts there, Charlie? It's it. just going to TV up. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. So, yes, Ben Ben put me onto a Trapple Ross video um, because he wanted to talk about it. Uh, the video in question is the King Von video, which is, um, as I'm aware of, um, the average time for a Trapple Ross video. Um, every time I see a fucking suggestion now on my YouTube, it's like three hours long. I'm just like, why is every single one three hours long? They're long videos. Um, but I think I'm I'm uniquely, not uniquely equipped, but I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm equipped to talk about I guess YouTube essays in general. Okay, good. Because I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big fan of YouTube essays. I like me a good YouTube essay. I've got a few ta- I've got a few um tabbed up already. Um, actually, the rate um I'm trying to spin. Uh, one I'm gonna spin is a uh, how black music lost its soul, and it's like a, an hour long, and I'm looking forward to that. Right. Um, and there's plenty of those that have gone about um over the years. It's kind of just an ecosystem in itself now. Um, there's you know dedicated to a lot of things uh long ones obviously like you know like trample ross is three hours and but there's also some that are like you know 10 15 minutes um and produce a good amount of information as well um youtube essays are very fascinating um just as a style and everyone has their own i guess um but at the end of the day it's all just storytelling that's basically what it is you know um and this one i i put in closer to something like uh What's the word? Closer to uh, closer to true crime, something like that, and that's where something like Trapper Ross comes in because I didn't watch the whole video. Um, I didn't watch practically any of the video, um, partly because um, I kind of understood where this was going after the intro. The intro is very, and it's a good intro. This is a very, it's, it, his his production quality is very top notch, and uh, you know, just respect to the fact that he put in so many hours just to put out a three hour video about King Von. Right, it's dedication in some fashion, and I'm here for it. But the way, even the framing, that's the issue, right? When it comes to these essays and about anything, right? Framing. And in journalism in general, obviously, this is basically just a existential journalism question. How do you frame things? When you see, when you watch the news, for example, right? Watch it on, watch the coverage on one channel and then watch the coverage on another channel that has, you know, a different slant to it. Oh, in this case, you know, politically, but... Um, in this Trapple Ross case, um, in terms of, are you being objective about it, or is there a cynicism about it? Are you stating something that you that actually you shouldn't even state? In this case, Trapple Ross is stating pretty much that King Vong is a serial killer. Now, this is why I didn't watch the video, not because he's a British white guy that clearly has never ever stepped foot into Chicago. That is obviously part of the point, but not the main point. The main point being that you are stating 
with all this information that you have that's packed into a three-hour video, you're stating that this man is a serial killer. When you listen, when you watch a, when you watch something like Trap or Ross, you're going into it with a type of, dare I say, voyeurism. You know, you, you you're feeding you're feeding something off it. Same with true crime. You know, I don't I don't watch tr- much true crime um, or listen to many true crime podcasts or any of that. I've had my fill, right? I've, I've listened to a few here and there. I listen to Serial. I love that. Um, I listened to uh, what was the other one? Uh, Dirty John. That was a good one. They did a TV show about it as well, right? That was, you know, I've I've had my fair fair, fair share of um, listening to some cr- true crime uh, podcasts, right? We all have, right? And obviously in the TV landscape and the film landscape, there are plenty of serial killer, you know, biopics. There's a you know the Jeffrey Dahmer one last year. Plenty of them, right? Dirty John, like I just said, I've mentioned Ted Bundy, uh, all going all the way back to things like Zodiac, right? It's all, it's all a we all have this morbid curiosity, you know, and I, I get it, I understand it, but this one is different to me when it comes to that because obviously with something like Dirty John, for example. The story's been told there. Ted Bundy, the story's been told there. Jeffrey Dahmer, the story's been told there. The book is closed, is what I'm saying. And in some ways, the the King Von book is closed. He's dead. The people he allegedly, that's an important word there, allegedly uh, had a hand in killing, or did kill, um, they're dead as well. So in some ways the book is closed, right? Obviously not for the people that are the people that are around those um, people that are dead. Um, for them, obviously they still live with those facts, and I am sensitive to that, and I understand that. But clearly, Trapper Ross isn't sensitive to that, or does not understand that, and/or doesn't understand that, because you're producing a video where you have somebody that has all these things going around him, and he just so happens to be a rapper as well. Of course, people are going to have a interest in the idea of did this person kill all these people and then just get a rap career over it? Maybe, maybe he did, maybe he did. But is that King Von's fault? Is that is or is it more an indictment on American society as a whole, American music industry as a whole? U.S. hip-hop industry as a whole, all of that, you know, you know what I mean, so on top of that, listening and obviously watching a snippet of the video, the intro, you can't be going on just saying, I'm going to explain why this man's a serial killer, no, because don't get it twisted, ladies and gentlemen, he has the exact same information as drum roll please the united states <laughs> the united states uh, fucking criminal system fbi chicago pd all of those they probably have the exact same information probably more information than traplor ross has but yet traplor ross is the person saying he's a serial killer does that make sense to you no it doesn't so why is he making these claims and I know these people that are watching it, 
I looked at the YouTube comments under it. I get it. It's the same vibe as serial killer documentaries. And again, everyone has that morbid curiosity. But because it's a dude from Chicago who does hip hop, O-Block, all of that stuff. It's links to the academic shit from back in the day. It's the same shit. You white people have a thing about this and it's really weird. Do you not find it weird? I bet, I bet if we did the demographics of his channel. Oh my gosh. I bet you. Fucking dollar. That, that, yeah, you know, yeah, so. Anyway, uh, hopefully I made my point because <laughs> that was a lot. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's just not it. It's not it, man. Like I get it. It's cyn- but and again, the key words for this episode is clearly cynicism and cynical because he's doing it in a cynical way. He's not doing it in a objective journalist. I'm here to tell you a story kind of way. That's the sheen. But under it, he's just very thirsty about this shit. Clearly, this is not the first video he's done of any, um, you know, coverage relating to you know the Chicago drill scene and all all that stuff and everything around that. It's not his first time. It's not his first rodeo. So clearly he has something about it. Or clearly he's responding to the fact that his audience fucking loves that shit. And I just find that a bit jarring that he would decide to just go ahead and build a, um, albeit well-produced um, YouTube empire on his own of of telling these stories for the people that want it, but not really understanding that A you're making claims that that you should put at least a word allegedly after and B not exactly caring about the people that are still that still go through it day to day and are related to those people that were killed and you're just making entertainment out of it. It's cynical and it's a bit grimy to be honest. The two aspects that I found interesting that were kind of what I wanted to talk about. The first is the fact that it's being called a documentary in media and, and people who are talking about it. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and debate the authenticity or the reliability of it, but it's interesting now that someone would give that title. And I'm not against that title being given to people creating YouTube videos because I think the idea of a documentary has often been quite difficult to there's been a lot of barriers to entry to creating something that's documentary worthy or worthy of that name because it normally needs a major backing behind it it needs you know it needs to go somewhere it needs to live somewhere it needs to be on netflix or it needs to be on you know a a video or like back in the day it needs to be released or it needs to be at a film festival or something so they needed to be a big push behind it they need to be money behind it nowadays you don't need to do that. And I quite, I do like that. Um, I like the idea of someone with a lot of time on their hands and a lot of energy and a lot of motivation, spending a lot of time discovering something that they could, they could discover it for free these days. I mean, look at what we do on the pod. We do retrospectives. I don't, I don't need to pay any money to do the research I do. It's all at my fingertips. It's all online. So all I have to do is do that. So I do like the idea of someone creating something on the super cheap um, in comparison to what it, you know, a massive budget for a, a normal documentary and create something of value that is, is uh, given legitimacy by mainstream media sources. I do like that concept. And there are certainly many, many sources on YouTube where I'm like, yeah, this should be documentary worthy. I do think there's a lot that isn't. I think there's a lot of things that <laughs> purport to be documentaries and I, I click on them and I'm like, oh, so you're just like 
reading out the Wikipedia entry. Cool. Thanks for doing that. Really appreciate having clicked on your video and seen an ad for Link's body spray beforehand. Like, it's just a total mess, you know. It's just a total mess. The other side of it is um, the problem with doing that is it is difficult then to, I guess, <clears throat> I'm not going to say trust the reliability, but, for example, I read an article that was talking about this documentary, and then they listed at the end of it a Reddit thread where a user had allegedly poked a lot of holes in the timeline. And, and so in the same like article, they're saying that the Trap Law Ross video is a documentary, but they're not the, the, the writer was not actually jumping out the window and saying, yes, this is entirely accurate and everything Trap Law Ross is saying is correct. They actually then tempered it with, but someone has disputed some of these claims in a Reddit thread. I'm sitting here like, bro, it's 2023 and we're like talking about a documentary being debunked by a Reddit thread, but there's no debunk. There's no, like, the, it was just reporting. There was no critical analysis of whether, do you know what I mean? Like, that that side of it just kind of threw me off a little bit. And, uh, yeah, you know, I find it I find it interesting. I find the whole conversation around it interesting. Just the idea of the documentary these days and, you know, the idea of there's an audience everywhere, I guess. Like, this video's got, like, 7 million views. It's 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 madness. I mean, what, what I find fascinating, too, is that we get to see the views. Like, with old, with documentaries in the past, you never got to see. Like, I don't know how it was re- received. I don't know how many people were watching it. I can't see people talking about it in real time. I can't, like, scroll through comments and Google and find Reddit threads with, like, reams of discussion about this you know it just didn't exist before so you know on one on one side that should increase the authenticity and reliability of the documentary does that make sense because it is going to be scrutinized and you're going to see thousands of people scrutinizing it in real time you're going to be able to read their you know their criticisms and their arguments and then you're going to be able to the person who created the documentary is going to be able to respond and you're going to be able to read their justifications i think i find that interesting but at the same time with these youtube documentaries i don't know there's a barrier for me and i'm not just talking about trap law ross i'm talking about everything on youtube that's in this kind of format the barrier for me is is this reliable and that's why it's a bit at odds with what I just said. Like, it should be, but I know how this works. I know how social media works. I see people tweeting out things and posting things that are just blatantly untrue all the time. And I'm like, I know that that's wrong, but it's got 50,000 likes and people are just retweeting it like crazy. No one's doing any more analysis. No one's looking into it and being like, hang on a sec, I don't think this is true. So I don't know. I think we're at a weird crossroads in that regard. And I get frustrated. I, I genuinely do. And again, this is not related to Trap Law Ross. I've I haven't dived into it. I don't I have no idea if what he's saying is true or not. Like I haven't looked into it. I've done have not done any of my own research. Um, a lot of this was news to me about King Von. I hadn't, you know, tapped into his career deeply, um, and his backstory. But like just in general, it's a weird paradox to me that in the age of accountability where it should be, where everyone has all the information at their fingertips. No one seems to be doing much critical analysis of these things. And anytime there is any kind of attempt to do that, people just criticize the person who's doing the critical analysis. And I'm like, well, you know, it's just a weird, it's a weird place to be in at the moment. When you say, when, the reason why I usually call it just straight up a video essay and not a documentary is that I guess in some way I like to make that demarcation yes. of at least titling it differently. 
because of that authenticity and reliability aspect that you're talking about. Um, while it's easier to do it on you, do just a straight up YouTube video and, you know, plan whatever you want on it. Um, you could do most majority of it for free. That, that barrier to entry, uh, while it's smaller, the, uh, the barrier to actually be right and actually to do it objectively, um, goes down. Um, when I, you know, I watch many video essays and a lot of them have a bias towards it and that is obvious but when I watch Trample Ross I don't get that I don't get that biasness towards it what you what you and if you are why are you biased to calling this dead dude a serial killer that's the road you want to make for yourself like why 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 would you want to do that why do you want to just just straight up make a three hour video pointing the finger at a dead person saying he was a serial killer and he made a career out of it okay again that's an indictment on a lot of other things including King Von in some fashion for even giving it a go right but shit man the doors were open for him so he walked through them why are those doors even why do those doors even exist but then again I question why are you, a white British dude, making this video? Like, what's the reason? Why are you the person to make it? And again, if it was a documentary with money put into it, the the reason why a lot of those documentaries that you know just uh, that go about, um, you know, Michael Moore documentaries, for example, to just make a you know blunt one, you know. That requires him going about. You see him; he's making, the, he's having these conversations about several things, right? About whatever the subject is. Um, noble one, I keep thinking about. I forget what, I forget the overall doc, but I remember he like walked into like a barber shop or something like or something or other, and was just like loading up a gun, like right in the just in a public spot, just loading up a gun. And obviously, in some in some cases, you see that, and you're just like. Oh wow, that's that's <laughs> that's crazy, right? And that's supposed to be the point. But getting back to the Trap and Ross thing and just YouTube essays in general, and why I call them YouTube essays is because they're not peer reviewed, <laughs> and some of them do get some of them do get clapped. There's a whole ecosystem of um, people uh, making videos about Johnny Harris because while he does very good, well produced videos about a lot of things in the world, sometimes he fucks it up and people call him out for it. And, the, you know, there's, there's people that get called out for their videos, but I don't... Uh, shit, you know what? Let me look that up now. Let me look up Traplor Ross and let's see if there's any actual videos um, to people actually combating and having this um, uh, uh, the crit critical uh, critical thinking that you, that you, are, that you are talking about. Um, so, yeah, Traplor Ross, Traplor Ross, Traplor Ross... Academics, funny. Academics full reaction to the documentary. Oh, oh God, I wonder how he feels about it. Can't but he's, wait. But he nuts. But he nuts on that. Couldn't one. put it down. Uh, yeah, couldn't put it down. Trap Ross, Trap Ross, Trap Ross, and yeah, just nothing really. No, no people. Oh, there you go. Uh, Lil Dirk calls Trap Trap Ross J King King Vong documentary cap. Well, I, okay, I don't know what that means, but yeah. It's just no, there's no, there's no people actually calling them out. There's nothing like that. And you just wonder, 
why why this guy why why this guy to do to do this and i get it people want this information people want these people want these stories told and there's an appetite for these stories to be told i'm not saying Trevor ross is the wrong person to do so i mean clearly he is because he's having he's doing it at a slant that doesn't seem objective to me there's a cynicism about it when he comes across when he go when he does these stories and i'm just like what's the real reason you like doing this but do you think do you think that we no go actually continue down that path that's a that's a what's the reason what's the what's the is 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 there gin are you just do you just love drill music you just love tendon stories is that it is that really it let's be real real question are are you just that much into drill music are you that much into let's look up some more um are are you just that into eminem and kim are you you that into no limit chicago's deadliest gang or north london's bloody gang war ofb versus n9 why are you telling these stories are you just an objective journalist that wants to tell the truth about these things and find the truth about the deadliest gangs in in North London? Or do you just get a sort of voyeurism over it? Do you just I don't know, is there is there a is there a voyeuristic element towards the reason why you do this? And to the and to what people that watch him, I ask the same question. Are you just very interested in these kind of stories for 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 the fact that they're real, for the fact that they're for for the fact that they happened in some fashion, maybe not in the scope that Trapple Ross is painting it, but they happened. I are you just are you just interested in those stories just wholeheartedly, and you just I don't know you just like them, or is there something else? Is there something deeper than that? That's why I always wonder. When it comes to these people that do these kind of things, um, same with it's completely off tangent. But when you know, when when news organisations do certain stories, you ask yourself, why are you doing this story right now? Like, I'm sure you have. I'm sure Ben, you have many. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of trans panic um, as as well when it comes to. Uh, 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 Australian news organizations, right? Plenty here. I always ask, why are you doing this right now? Like, why are you bringing this up? Like, you, you, why, why are you bringing up this, uh, this, uh, this person that just wants to transition, uh, with, 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 with no, uh, with the least amount of roadblocks as possible, even though there will be as always. Why are you doing this? Why is talk TV talking about these people? Why why are people talking about woke culture right now? Ask yourself. And then it comes and I get the same vibe, the same exact vibe when Trapple Ross drops a video. Why are you doing this, bro? Are you just a re- you just want to be the best storyteller you can be, the quote unquote hip hop historian that you put as a tagline on your on your channel? I have my answer, but I just wonder what people's answers are towards that because I don't know, man. There's just a cynicism towards it, and there's a there's a voyeuristic element that just rubs me the wrong way. I don't think he's telling this story, uh, telling these stories with complete um, objective interest into telling a story. There's a yeah. Keep repeating myself, but yes. I wonder, like, 
you know, if, if you see a documentary by a person who's just a person, and then the next page you see a documentary by Vice, you know, whatever, Vibe, whoever, whoever, on YouTube, sure, yeah. and you're sitting there and you're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to hold the documentary by this person up to a higher standard of transparency because and, or, and accountability because I trust Vice, I trust, you know, whoever. And I think what it's doing is highlighting the fact that there's bias in every documentary we watch all the time, every single thing. I mean, the, the, I, I actually think what Netflix is doing at the moment um, is I don't like it at all. I, they have a very stylized way of doing these documentaries that they're doing. And I think, I don't know if they did the Firefest one or who, whoever did the, that was, that was well done, but I feel like everyone's trying to copy that now. And I'm watching, I start watching a Spotify documentary that's four hours long that could have been done in 10 minutes in a YouTube video. And there's all these dramatizations and there's all these actors playing roles. And I'm watching that and I'm like, I think you're dressing this up. I think, and, and when I, there was one on the, I think it was a Three Mile Island disaster, disaster in inverted commas, um, which was apparently America's, I think it was Three Mile Island. Apologies if I got that wrong, I'll Google it later. But there was a documentary on Netflix about America's worst ever nuclear disaster. And I watched it and I was, you know, I'd watch Chernobyl on, uh, on whatever, whoever did the Chernobyl thing. That was incredible. That was HBO. That was, um, that was, that was harrowing to watch. Um, and you know what's crazy? You know what's also crazy about that? Because I watched that, right? And about six months ago, I was just on my YouTube home feed. And there is an actual documentary with actual footage of, I don't know if people are familiar with the Chernobyl thing, but because it exploded and like wild amounts of radioactive material ended up on roofs and stuff in difficult to find places, they couldn't get robots in there because the robots were just not working because of the, the radioactivity. So they actually had to get humans to go up into the worst possible place you could possibly imagine and like pick up bits of radioactive matter and throw it over the edge. And so in the the documentary, the HBO documentary, obviously that's all dramatized and stylized, but there is actually footage of this happening in Chernobyl at the time. And there's a whole, there's an actual YouTube documentary. It's like 20 minutes, it's not very long, but it's like grainy, It's, it's really super intense. And that really highlighted to me, like, you know, that wasn't some massive organization. I don't know who owns the rights to that video. It was just some person with like 100,000 subscribers on YouTube that either had the video or, you know, whatever, and they put it up. And so are you gonna look at that and say, wow, that seems a little less reliable or I'm gonna hold this to a higher standard than a Netflix documentary, you know what I mean? And so I bring it back to the Netflix documentary about America's worst nuclear disaster. And I actually went online and had a look at the, the response to that. And people were super critical of it, saying that it just like heightened and, and made it seem like such a more intense and bigger thing than it was. They're like, it was nothing. It didn't, no one was hurt. Like everything was totally fine. It was just a slight emergency. There was a bit of a spike in something or something failed and that was it. But uh, Netflix turned it into this four hour epic of this horrible thing and people were terrified for their lives and people were running in the streets and everyone was scared and you know and so I guess that highlights to me like I, I look back in time over all the documentaries I've watched over, over the years and it's only really recently that I've been watching them on YouTube and I am far more skeptical and I find this in myself and that's what I'm being I'm interested in I'm far more skeptical of the ones I watch on YouTube than the ones I watch I've watched in the past but it's starting to flip for me 
where I'm actually more skeptical of Netflix documentaries and documentaries that are obviously sensationalizing things because that's what we do now than someone on Netflix, on YouTube because I feel like the YouTube is going to get called out off rip if they fuck up. Like, you know, there's going to be reams of videos just like hammering this person like this wrong, this fact's wrong, this fact's wrong. I get... You know, I've I've been in the public eye for a long time. I've put a lot of information out there. And when I fuck up, people annihilate me. People quote tweet me. Entire fandoms jump on me. And they're like, look at this idiot. He fucked this up, blah, blah, blah. Like, I know. And that's why I say I know immediately when I've fucked up. I think everyone who's creating in that realm knows immediately when they've made a mistake or they've they've not made the right connection or something is a bit off because there's going to be thousands of people to tell you. So... I find it fascinating that it's almost like we're far more skeptical of, of YouTubers and, you know, these kind of the people that are doing this kind of work on YouTube than we are of people on Netflix. I've, I've, I don't know. For me, it's actually flipped around. I'm, I'm more skeptical of a big conglomerate creating something because I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, what is the point, you know? Um, I'm skeptical of both equally. <laughs> just, just, uh, I, you know, you have to... You have to take the, you have to take the creator of the thing in mind. You really do, and a lot of them don't. Um, you know, obviously Netflix operates on can this make money? Um, there's that, and Trapple Ross, sure, maybe, maybe he operates purely on money. I mean, he operates clearly. People have an appetite for this shit. Which sets a interesting precedent for why. Again, I've asked that question why, but why are people interested? But you know, moving on from that, you know, he's motivated by whatever people want him to cover, and people want him to cover shit like this. They want him to cover cover the quote unquote true crime element, and you know, there's no innocence in that. Um, that you have to when you do when you go into that kind of realm because you know talking about music that we that you know we do we're talking about that in a different in a different context right we're just talking about something that somebody created and we're saying I like it it's boo boo whatever right but you but he and others uh, you know documentaries in general hopefully what else are they talking about they're talking about real shit. They're talking about real things that either happened or maybe happened, depending on what channel you're watching. Um, you know, that's that's what they're supposed to do. Um, and it's the reason why it's called documentary and not news. And obviously news lies. So what the fuck is documentaries have to have the what leg does the documentary have to stand on? If news lies, um, if news organizations lie, if Netflix can do a documentary on anything, uh, you know fuck the consequences on that front as long as people watch it and as long as it makes a top 10 that week um and as long as people keep watching trap ross videos what's going to stop these people clearly clearly critically thinking about these things doesn't really help um or doesn't move the needle um i can't change people's minds from watching trap ross videos you could but and that's, that's another thing matter of effort they want to know these things but they don't want to put any effort to actually look it up like they don't want to read. They don't want to do any of that. They just want the they just want the package in a very sexy produced three hour video. I can understand that though. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not I do as that. well. I, I get it. I get it. I, I'm, I'm just, sta- I'm just stating the fact that that's, you know, that's what, that's what people, are, if people are into, the, into a certain subject, but you don't want to, don't want to read about it. Don't want to, you know, do it. Do any if you're only information, uh, only looking up about it, go watch a video about it. Easy. Someone's probably done it. Someone's probably covered it. And you know that makes us all the better in some fashion in terms of knowledge seeking, right? And people understand it. But again, why are you guys so interested in a white British guy who is most likely never set foot in that in that particular part of America or America in general? Why do you want him? Why do you see him as the go-to guy for these conversations and for these events? That's all I ask. So yeah, I'm done. I'm good. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm 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 Make fine. Pinch there. Are you are you fine? Are you fine, Ben? Let's get into the line, though. <laughs> what was I? What did I say I was going to talk about? I can't even remember now. Bluetooth, apparently. Yeah, Bluetooth is. Um, why was I even going to talk about Bluetooth? Bro, I'm 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 all over the shot at the moment, man. I'm just. uh was was like the start before we recorded. He was like, I'm like, oh, I have a big red about you. Bluetooth. I'm gonna go I'm in like, on Bluetooth, okay. and then okay, when it, sure an hour later, I'm like, you know what? I what are you gonna like... do about the? What are you gonna do about the uh, the the Viking Bluetooth uh, from the 700s or whatever the fuck he was? Okay, you know uh, what? You know what I am gonna. What's your beef? You know what I am gonna. The talk... Viking Bluetooth. Viking Bluetooth. You know what I'm gonna talk about? It just came across my desk. Just came across my desk just then. Breaking news. Breaking news. So I don't know if people out there ski. I ski in Australia. Okay. You, you can ski. You can ski in Australia. We have ski fields. So five or six years ago, a lift ticket for a day was about $90, which is still quite expensive in comparison to the rest of the world. It's actually very expensive. Um, but, you know, it's, it's manageable. You can pay $90 for a day to ski, and it's cool. Once the pandemic hit, Ski Fields uses as an opportunity to increase their prices astronomically. It is now $213 a day to ski. 200 When we were young, my parents used to save up for an entire year to take us on a ski trip. So for 5 days we'd ski. We went every single year from the age I was 3 till the age I was, I don't know, 16, 17. So nowadays to do a 5-day skiing trip for a single person would be over a thousand dollars on lift tickets alone that's insane that's wild this is just a just a skiing rant people who if, if people don't know anything about skiing they're not going to understand this rant but that's madness man 213 dollars to go skiing bro the snow falls from the sky you are not creating the snow okay it falls from the sky you've just planted a bunch of material there like uh, anyway i think it's that's ridiculous. This is an anti-capitalism ramp. Skiing should be free for the people. We should we should crowdsource skiing. Everyone should be able to ski for free. And with that incredibly niche uh, line note, we shall leave it there. Ladies and gentlemen, on the Fifth End Podcast Network, it's been Digging Digits over this episode. I've been Charlie Taylor of The Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter. I actually watched The Fifth Element the other day. Have you ever seen it? Oh, what the film? Yeah. yeah. It's a great <laughs> film. Yeah, I love people making that joke. It's wild um, that Charlie named his entire brand after it, but, yeah, you know. Yeah, just, just dedicated to a Luc Besson film. Yeah, that's, that's what it's all about, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've been Ben Carter of hip-hop. There's no hip-hop numbers film, <laughs> not yet anyway. <laughs> then don't make one, please. Just leave me be. 
And with that said, hope you have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy. Amazing job. All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Peace and Video Games by Bones Points. Thanks to Chill Hot Music. Really good for use. Socials with Fenomen Hip Hop by Numbers Bones Points. Our Chill Hot Music will be in the full show notes, as well as the names of projects of huge wherever you're listening. It's been a 5 EPM production. Thanks for spending time with us. Rest is here next time. I'm digging in the Digits.